Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Alexis and Suzanne here with a quick message about our early season one episodes. Just like it took Rory time to get settled into Chilton and the Gilmore Girls writers to develop the role of a random guy named Mick to the Kirk that we all know and love, here at Talking Fast, it took us some time to learn to podcast. As you listen to our early episodes, we ask for your patience as you witness our process of learning how to host a podcast, organize an episode, edit audio, get new equipment, and more. We also understand that sometimes you just like to skip over the Independence Inn and get to the good parts of Lorelai and Suki living out their dreams running the dragonfly. So if that's the case, feel free to skip ahead to after our mid-season one recap where we feel we hit our podcasting groove. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy and stick around. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Okay, this week we are covering Season 1, Episode 7, titled Kiss and Tell. The Netflix bio for this episode is, Rory shares a romantic moment with Dean, but doesn't tell Lorelai. When Lorelai hears about it for Mrs. Kim, she invites Dean over for movie night. Wow. Indeed. I feel like I have a lot to say for this episode. Agreed. <laughs> Even though, yeah, there aren't very, it's, it's kind of a simple episode, I feel, but um, mm-hmm. a lot is packed in there. Uh, but if we have a lot of thoughts, I think the best way to begin is to try to say them all at once in a 30-second <laughs> recap. <laughs> yeah, it's ambitious. Okay. I will give you a countdown. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. The big thing is that Dean kisses Rory in Dosie's Market. Rory tells Lane, but she doesn't tell Lorelai. Lorelai is pretty sad about this. She finds out from Mrs. Kim, who um, I guess spills the tea for the entire town. And then Lorelai confronts Rory about it. And then Lorelai invites Dean to a movie night, which is terrifying. They have a movie night, and uh, Rory and Dean uh, flirt, and then Lorelai gives Dean the talk. And... Stop! <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was going well. I know. I felt like I, I I was getting some some things, but then I missed I missed a lot when I think about it. Okay, are you ready? As I'll ever be. Okay, and go. The episode opens. This is the autumnal festival season. Taylor's bugging Luke to put up Thanksgiving decorations in the shop. Meanwhile, uh, Rory is kissing Dean. She's hiding it from Lorelai. She's telling Lane. Mrs. Kim is overhearing. Mrs. Kim tells Lorelai. Um, she's sad. She eventually invites him over for the movie night. They watch Willy Wonka. They eat a lot of food. She gives him the talk. Rory and Dean kiss again at the end. Oh, sorry. I forgot to give you a warning. (laughs) 
I was just that's like, all right. <laughs> I was distracted by thinking about what was happening in the episode. <laughs> Do you think we should slow down and cover things in a little bit more detail? Yeah, I would like that. <laughs> okay. I really loved the intro. Well, I guess uh, I loved parts of the intro <laughs> with the like mm-hmm. super autumnal like this is Thanksgiving time. I do have some qualms with Thanksgiving with their portrayal of Thanksgiving, but I mm-hmm. liked the intro and I I I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've ever met Taylor. Um, And I like Mm -hmm. this intro of him, you know, just bugging Luke, basically. Yeah, I'm going to bracket my thoughts about the whole, the Thanksgiving of it all for later on in the Mm -hmm. episode. But I totally agree with you about the, that I did love the, like, there's pumpkins everywhere in this opening scene. (laughs) And pumpkins aren't problematic, right? So (laughs) we also, we've been wondering, you and I have, about what time this all is happening Mm -hmm. and so I think this gives us a pretty clear marker of we're in November at some point here so that helps ground us a little bit but this is our first Taylor sighting I also I would really need to double check this might be our first um town square sighting too can you remember any other episode where they walk through the town square I don't think so so far we've seen them like walking along the sidewalk by buildings and stuff but i don't know Mm -hmm. if we've seen the town square maybe in like that first pan in scene Mm -hmm. in the pilot but i don't remember for sure we just saw like the stars hollow sign for that yeah Yeah. that's that's a good point you think it'd be easier to remember (laughs) details rewatching this slowly but even now if someone were to ask me about what happened in the pilot I might be like hmm (laughs) I don't know so polluted yeah I think we could say this is the first time the at least the first time the town square is featured like this and they walk past the gazebo of you know our titled our titular gazebo moment inspiration Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was really, it was really nice to see. And of course, fittingly, it like ends up at Luke's diner too. So um, well, it was like a warm hug at the start of this episode. <laughs> a couple things barred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also just have to mention, because it's about this time of year here when we're recording this. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll be basically the same time. And mm-hmm. we're in the Midwest, so we have a slightly different climate and different like atmosphere and uh, everything around us but the corn is everywhere right now and I did notice they had some like corn stalks and things like gathered around lampposts and things and sadly I am really really allergic to corn pollen like if I go to a corn maze I break out in hives so I'm just imagining walking through the town square and like sneezing the entire time it would be It'd be sad. I'd be very sad about that. Yeah, my allergies always act up around here when they start to harvest corn mm-hmm. as well. I'm guessing you probably have a similar experience. Um, so that talk about Midwest problems. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the corn in this situation for them is purely like decorational, you know. And <laughs> corn starch, which is what Rory picks up when she goes into the market after getting home from school. I thought it was interesting. We don't see any school scenes in this episode. We just go straight to her, like, 
getting home from school and going to Dosie's Market, I think with the only purpose of seeing Dean. She doesn't have a grocery mm-hmm. list or anything. Yeah, she's doing some more stalking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is, like, realistic, too. Things that teenagers get up to when they have a crush, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think we could get into the cornstarch scene, which is, I mentioned earlier, I think this is an iconic scene. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers it, right? Like, the cornstarch, she shoplifts, it's, <laughs> uh, it's up there with the moments of Gomer Girls, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's really, just like, I guess, what we've said about Dean so far, um, just of his appearances so far, not in our general feelings about him, but... There, it's such a, like, kind of cute, awkward scene. Um, Rory comes in, and I always thought it was very strange that she talked about thickening needs. To me, that seems, that sounds like something that a teenager would find dirty <laughs> in some way. So I always kind of cringe when she says that. But Dean doesn't bat an eye. I also, mm-hmm. like, I thought that the, the soda thing was cute. Although he also, again, is just startling her and taking her off guard. And I feel like he could at least, you know, give some sign of what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. I, and yeah, for anyone who might not remember, following, they, like, move away from the cornstarch, he offers her a soda, so they go up next to, like, the soda case, and then he decides to hide them behind his back and says, like, guess what's in my hand if you want the soda? So she, like, is kind of leaning forward to point, like, this is what's in this hand. And he kind of swoops in and kisses her. And she is really, like, frozen and shocked and says, thank you, which is a hilarious response. Mm -hmm. And literally, she runs away, too. (laughs) It's such a, it is, like, her reaction, I think, is quite cute and relatable of, like, the first kiss kind of moment and how awkward it could be for someone I don't I don't want to sound jaded and too (laughs) critical but I don't love the way he kissed her I'm not saying you have I don't know I just I didn't love it in particular because it felt like he kind of tricked her in a way to like get close to him but in the end she tells Lane you know she's happy about it she like views it very positively so Ultimately, ultimately, that's what is most important here is how Rory feels about it. But as an outsider onlooker, I was kind of grossed out by it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree. Also, like, of all the places to have a first kiss, and I know that this is part of the charm of the show, is that her first kiss happens in a grocery store in, I don't know, the aisle where they have the ant traps or something. I don't remember exactly. It's a good aisle, (laughs) as Lane and Lorelai say. Of course. But, like, there's, you know, they haven't even been on a date yet. It couldn't be any more romantic. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's realistic. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I also just sound jaded. (laughs) But as Mrs. Kim says, too, the grocery store, where we buy our food. (laughs) So scandalized. How inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, I love that she... I don't remember exactly what they say to get her to go away. Oh, the, she was, like, kissed by the Lord or something. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously Mrs. Kim knows what actually happened. And I feel like we don't mm-hmm. get this often. Um, usually Mrs. Kim is kind of shown as, like, 
somebody who can be duped, I think. Um, like, somebody who Lane is able to hide her secret life from. But in mm-hmm. this one instance, and when Mrs. Kim tells Lorelai about it later, we get an idea that, no, actually, she knows a little bit more than we're giving her credit for, and she actually hears mm-hmm. all of it. Um, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that ever happens again. Yeah, I think we will have to keep an eye on the characterization of Mrs. Kim and, like, how much they portray her as a very kind of, like, stereotypical, strict religious mother and notably Korean as well. Like, they are two of the only characters that aren't white that we regularly see on the screen. So I think you're right that it's something we should keep looking out for. In general, she is such a fan cast fantastic character to see on screen like I love how she's giving Lorelai such a hard time uh because Lorelai comes into the shop because she bought a rocking chair she bought it six weeks ago and I think Mrs. Kim is understandably angry like this is not a holding storage facility like you you buy it you come pick it up (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I also like this is our first um instance of the kind of like mom code that we see reprised again between them where one of them tells the other or something that's going on with their kids although in this case it's like inadvertently like mrs kim expects that laurel already knows but we do see that happen again for many other circumstances definitely and that sets into play the fact that Lorelai has not been told about rory's first kiss from rory and the next couple scenes are Rory telling Lane about it even more, but uh, withholding information from Lorelai, even when Lorelai is like really fishing for it too, <laughs> talking about an episode of General Hospital involving kissing, and Rory is just not taking up the bait at all. <laughs> I also just glanced at my notes and saw one last thing about this cornstarch I wanted to mention before we get into the next mm. fun scene which is when Rory gets home she puts the cornstarch up on her dresser like it's a trophy <laughs> and it's adorable I think I think we see the cornstarch again in later episodes mm-hmm. yeah I just like that little that little like memento from her first kiss yeah and I liked when when she walked into the um Lane's house she like says I was kissed and I shoplifted (laughs) and she like throws her arm up and like really just highlights the fact that she shoplifted cornstarch and such a random item Mm -hmm. but I think I've only ever used it to like yeah like you said thicken a sauce and I'm surprised they didn't make a better joke about that (laughs) honestly yeah seriously Uh, it's a good detail (laughs) yeah but we also have another cute uh grocery store scene strangely i didn't notice it but so much actually happens in the grocery store in this episode but Mm -hmm. um as lorelei is attempting to find out what's going on with rory and rory and lane are out doing um i think they're volunteering for something um yeah it's like a cornucopia can drive oh (laughs) that's cute (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Um, so Lorelai is watching jealously, and then, but then, oh wait, no, I'm getting this confused. She goes into the store to spy on Dean, and mm-hmm. kind of just, like, stalks him around the grocery store, picking up random objects, and then Luke appears, um, and they have a cute spying on Dean moment. I actually really like, I enjoyed Lorelai's reaction, uh, because she immediately is going so over the top and she doesn't really know much about Dean yet so mm-hmm. it's kind of coming from her jealous feelings and her protective feelings and so she calls him she says he looks smug she says he's mishandling these symbolic lemons <laughs> <laughs> that he's a Lothario which I think is a great word it was just really good dialogue and Luke is kind of playing opposite her of like the calm person who's saying um just chill out (laughs) but she is like really kind of going off the rails a little bit with her stalking observation her spying but it works really well in terms of comedy (laughs) what does lothario mean never heard that a a lothario is like a name for a type of character i think in romance uh so he's like the seducer i'm guessing Mm -hmm. The character was, I'm, I'm guessing there was originally someone named Lothario, and then it came to be describing a type, but yeah, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'll ask some Victorianist friends <laughs> who study <laughs> gothic romance, of course. Yeah, I love that scene, and I also like, this is like the first time I think we've ever seen Luke outside of the diner, and we also get to see a little bit of the like Luke and Lorelai chemistry play that course we won't get to see come to anything for quite a few seasons (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's it's a cool development for their friendship also right he's like he's someone who's there for her even if it means spying on (laughs) like the teen boy that her daughter just kissed and it make it does make me think of an earlier conversation a couple episodes ago that Babette and Lorelai were having about Lorelai saying she wants someone to love her to like accept her completely, mm-hmm. and I like that just had me thinking about how Luke is someone who will do that later on. Like he's not someone who wants her to minimize her kind of quirkiness, because um, I think like her quirkiness is something that attracts men initially and then once they're with her it's kind of like okay tone it down a little bit you're being weird or this or that whereas Luke is just like there for it and sure maybe it will bother him occasionally but like in a loving way Mm -hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself but maybe I'm also just trying to prove I do like certain relationships on the show I'm not always bitter (laughs) but they do like his cynicism matched with her just like constant wittiness I guess I don't know how else to mm-hmm. describe it is like they they work off of each other so well um mm-hmm. in such a like unconventional way that I think it's yeah it's kind of impossible not to love their relationship what did you make of um Lorelai compared Dean to Christopher I actually was gonna bring that up with the bookshelf portion because I want to talk a bit about okay. Freud but I think it's really interesting <laughs> Because in the pilot episode, um, Lorelai also, like, when Rory's freaking out about leaving high school because she's just met Dean, Lorelai says he better 
have a motorcycle or something. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's a, a reference to Christopher and because he drives up in a motorcycle. <laughs> um, mm. So I kind of, I feel like she, yeah, she's always looking for, or she's always comparing her past relationships to whatever Rory has. But I feel like she's also, in that way, assuming that the same outcomes will happen for Rory mm. and her relationships. Yeah, I, I was surprised by it. Um, and I guess I just thought, like, she says they have similar hair build and eyes. Mm-hmm. And I guess I could kind of see it, but it, it felt like a bit of a stretch for me. So I understand what you're saying about perhaps projecting her own experience of teen dating onto Rory. And I won't say too much more because I'll allow us to talk about it with Freud later on. But um, And part of the surprise was that later on, I think it's a pretty common reading of people compare Logan and Christopher quite a lot. And I think the show draws that comparison by having episodes that feature that um, whatever. So I was just, I had no memory of Lorelai uh, comparing Dean to Christopher because in terms of personality they seem quite different to me to yeah. state the obvious <laughs> I almost wonder if this was a, an instance of like just the fact that this is a tv show written episode by episode and they probably hadn't cast Christopher yet because um, mm-hmm. I don't think he shows up for another few episodes and so I wonder if that was just like something they that happened and then a few like later on they were like well hopefully nobody you know analyzes this in detail and scrutinizes it because they'll find this plot hole who would do that (laughs) okay i derailed us a bit so i'll try to get us back on track i was thinking a little bit about lane and rory uh as you Uh, So, like, it's kind of simultaneously happening while Lorelai is at Ducey's spying on Dean. Lane and Rory are out volunteering together, and they're continuing to talk about, like, just crushes, and uh, Rory is, like, seeking information about Dean from Lane. I was, like, really... I was really entertained by Lane, um, who I think continues to say, like... Let's see. Lane describes Dean as a cute, cool, sexy guy. (laughs) And I continue to be like, Lane, do you really feel that way? But I do feel for her because as she says, like the most she's been kissed is by this guy um, who kissed her on the forehead. And he also believes that rock leads to hard drugs. (laughs) So I really feel for Lane and like her... She's a very supportive friend, but I also feel for her, like, she's handling her jealousy well, I think. Like, she has no ill will toward Rory, but she is clearly wanting to have these experiences as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I, I think it'll come up more, like, as this season, go- I think as this season goes on and next season also. But, yeah, I the, like, extreme kind of, religious um matchmaking that she has to go through is Mm -hmm. it's kind of depressing in a way but I also feel like the show could have handled it better um because I feel like oftentimes what's happening is Lane or what we see with the show is Lane dating these other Korean boys and wishing that she had this more like western Um, relationship that Rory is having Um, and 
throughout the entire series, we only see Lane have romantic feelings for uh, another Korean boy once, um, and that doesn't go anywhere. And so I, I, I kind of feel like, and this might be too early to be making this critique, and it'll probably come up again, but I kind of feel like a lot of it is, it's building on the religious extremism, but it's also building on, like, Asian stereotyping, especially for Asian men, and, like, how they're, they're often mm-hmm. not seen as, like, romantic, um, or desi- desirable romantic partners in media, especially in the, in the U.S., mm-hmm. And that that might be like taking this this cute scene way too seriously, <laughs> but I think it's also something that really does come up for throughout the rest of the series as Lane is having her dating trials and tribulations aside Rory <laughs> and her kind of string of boyfriends. Yeah, I think you're right that this might be a, a silly scene. But I think our, it's important to have this serious, like, hypothesis now because this starts early on and it's not going to be the last case, as you point out. So I do think it's something we can track as people who are closely analyzing this show. And um, especially because you're so right that, like, we see Lane as this very, like, a very fully-fledged character. But then all of the the Korean boys that she is set up with, like, the they're played into stereotypes in a way that we never meet someone like Lane, who has, like, mm-hmm. these hobbies and passions and interests. Yeah, so I completely agree with you, and I think it's something we should follow. Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about it in that the dance episode in, like, uh, the end of the season or something. <laughs> it, more to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last small note about this scene is that Lane says Dean's best friend is named Todd. <laughs> and she says he's so cool, but that just sounds like they sound like the two most boring teen boys, Dean and Todd. They really <laughs> do. And honestly, they are mm-hmm. so boring. Like, what mm-hmm. does Dean even do? He works at Dosis and then that's it. <laughs> honestly, though, we could do a bit of. Um, analysis into the labor work that he's doing because he seems to be working at Ducey's daytime and nighttime Mm -hmm. like when is he going to school what kind of hours is he working does is he supporting his family financially like if I saw more of this I think I'd feel more sympathetic toward him yeah that's a good Uh, point I think when I was in high school maybe by the time I was in high school I was able to have like a part-time job but I know earlier than that like when I started working there was like a time limit and like a worker's permit that you had to get signed off from your school Mm -hmm. and you could only work like 10 hours a week or something at whatever job you had exactly yeah come on you gotta unionize at Dosey's Market (laughs) that would be hilarious yeah Taylor Dosey (laughs) come on man exploiting the high school workers Oh. Typical. <laughs> the next the next main moment is Lorelai basically forcing Lore, fate forcing Rory to tell her that she kissed Dean. Mm-hmm. Um which I thought was not very cool of her. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that they don't have like what you would call like quote unquote a normal mother daughter relationship, but at the same time it's I think 
fairly normal for a teenager not to tell their parents when they've had their first kiss or like first romantic mm-hmm. encounter or something. And in fact, I think it's like fairly normal for teenagers to like keep that a secret from their parents for quite some time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely think Rory should have, you know, been allowed to do this in her own time. Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't update my parents about so much. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if they're listening right now, sorry guys, but <laughs> yeah. I with I like my relationship stuff, I was so private about that. I would often tell them like months after something happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as far as my parents are concerned, I've never dated anybody in my entire life, which is more or less true. Um, but like in high school, they didn't know about any of the people I dated for however long. It's just part of growing up is feeling like you're able to have privacy and things of your own and interests of your own. And that's not only related to relationships, but mm-hmm. it's like you're you're gaining the like interiority to like withhold information from certain people and it's your choice about when you reveal it or not to people and so I feel like Lorelai of anyone should understand that in her relationship with her mom um I'm sure she didn't tell Emily shit you know (laughs) so (laughs) I think she's really just kind of her judgment is so clearly clouded in this scene as well as later on which we'll talk about shortly (laughs) yeah i definitely felt bad for rory but one thing i did like about this scene was the cool in the fridge shot Mm. (laughs) like the the camera was seeing them from inside the fridge and i for some reason found that very cool we had a couple interesting camera shots that i took note of that i'll highlight a couple more later on but some innovative camera work going yeah, on. an experimental episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, things are still a little rocky between Lorelai and Rory, but they're still planning a movie night, which of course involves going to get copious amounts of junk food from Deucey's and going to the rental store as well. But Rory is a bit worried about going to the supermarket with Lorelai after all of this has gone down. I mean, I understand it. I hated to see, like, a crush out in public with my family. <laughs> Especially after you just said thank you after they kissed you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what happens is, I mean, they go in and they, like, fill their, their basket, which, by the way, they had, like, real wicker baskets in doses, and I loved that. They were pretty cute. Mm-hmm. But they... They fill their basket and then check out and Lorelai officially meets Dean for the first time. And this initial meeting goes off pretty well. Nothing too mm-hmm. embarrassing. Um, but then it all goes bad. <laughs> and they leave, but uh, Lorelai has to go back in to get something. I don't remember what. Dean brings or, her oh, out yeah. the red vines that she left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are very important. And then Lorelai asks Dean to come to their movie night, which was just, like, Lorelai is supposed to be this, like, social, she's supposed to know all these social rules, you know, she's a very social person. And mm-hmm. she made this faux pas, like, I would have been, I would have been, I would have been way more angry than Rory is. I wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, fuck this, I'm leaving. <laughs> 
I'm not going to movie night. <laughs> I know. And it, it's so unfortunate that Rory feels forced into going. Uh, I completely agree. Like, I found myself thinking some people watching the scene might feel like Rory is overreacting. But I do not. I think she was either... I think she was at, like, the perfect level of reaction. If not, she could have gone bigger, like you said. <laughs> like, as Rory points out, like, they haven't gone on a first date. Nobody wants to have a first date with their mother. Nobody wants to have their first hanging out session with their mother. She says it's not Amish country. <laughs> like, yeah. Rory's very heated in this moment, letting Lorelai have it. I'm with her on this one. Yeah, I agree. Plus, it's just like having, like, bringing somebody into your safe space, you know, like your home. And especially at this kind of ritualistic thing that she and Lorelai mm-hmm. do, like, Dean... She's already uncomfortable with him. This it, this isn't like you don't need to bring somebody you're you're uncomfortable with into your house until you become comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a a safe space. And I know like as a a introvert, I feel that maybe more than some other people would. But Rory is also pretty introverted, so I feel like. Um, her wanting to kind of like keep that as a place where she can unwind and not have to be stressed out is a legitimate desire Mm. like she should have that yeah I think you're I think you're spot on and this is the second time now that Lorelai has invited someone to their home like Mm. Max Medina was the first instant and I think you're totally right of like Rory views this as a safe space and now twice now this has happened where she hasn't agreed to this invitation and she's caught unawares and has to deal with it no matter what like she doesn't get an option here um which is unfortunate and I think this is a continued um theme and conflict about like the blurred role that Lorelai plays in Rory's Mm -hmm. life um of as they say later on like the girlfriend versus the mother and I think Lorelai is struggling with that in this episode, clearly. Yeah, she was, like, trying so hard to be cool that she just went way too far. <sighs> yeah, I feel so bad for Rory. This would have been the, the mm-hmm. worst imaginable circumstance to be in. But it does seem to go well once it actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Things do take a turn. Yeah. They are watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which, I mean, it's not a romantic movie, so. No, not at all. it's a good choice. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. In this scene, there's another fun camera shot. Like, they are all eating pizza, and the camera zooms in on the pizza, and then it zooms back out from, and there's less pizza to signify that time has passed. (laughs) And then later on, it the camera, like, fades into the wall, and then it fades away from, like, the TV. There's just a lot of different camera moves. I think they were trying to figure out how do you signal that time is passing because we haven't really had a scene where, like, this is a whole evening. There's, like, multiple series of scenes, and I just, it was, it stood out to me because the camera was moving in a way that it hadn't before. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And so far in episodes, when we've had time jumps, it's been like 
in like because there have been multiple settings that they kind of jump back and forth in it hasn't been mm-hmm. something like this that's a good point yeah very experimental <laughs> nice touch <laughs> ahead of its time no. <laughs> yeah then at one point Lorelai goes away to get popcorn and she is about to return but she sees the two of them kind of flirting having an easier more comfortable conversation so she does give them privacy which I think helps register she's realized you know that she overstepped her bound earlier and she is giving them that privacy though Rory then later wants her to come back because her and Dean almost like kiss again and she kind of freaks out of it and is like no you need to come back um yeah, it's kind of, it's a, ultimately a pretty sweet scene. Yeah, I agree. They both, like, take seconds just staring at each other, contemplating, I guess, <laughs> each other. Speaking of the camera moves, there is one point where the camera is just, like, a super big close-up on Dean's profile. Like, we get the perspective of Rory staring at him <laughs> by that one. Pretty funny. So strange. I wonder if they did have a different, like, a new cameraman or some or director or something. Yeah, maybe we could start tracking directors for the episodes. Probably a lot yeah. of white men, so it might be a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Maybe, maybe we'll do that for a little bit. I don't know. Seems ambitious. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we're already gathering a lot of information, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the movie night ends in a second kiss, which I thought was much more normal. I mm-hmm. thought it was perfectly fine, a good kiss. So in comparison to how I felt about the first one, Dean says thank you in response, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was actually quite clever of him. I did like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really cute. And of course, it was like out on the porch mm-hmm. in that cozy space. And Rory, as he's walking away, gives him like, the most coy like innocent flirty look it was adorable Mm -hmm. and like something that only only so many people can do and alexis bledel can definitely pull that off i know like the like doe-eyed the dictionary Mm -hmm. definition i think could have her face (laughs) yeah next to it and i mean that in the best way possible (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely the only other thing is that the very last scene is Lorelai and Rory having a conversation where Rory kind of retells the scene and it kind of, they almost, the balance returns to like the girlfriend part of their relationship where you could easily, if you didn't know their relationship, seeing that scene where they're like gossiping and close together, giggling about the news of this kiss, sharing all these details, you would think they were friends. So... In a way, like, it was a pleasant, it was fun, but also you think, like, okay, this is one reason that they do have these issues, is that sometimes Rory does invite this relationship with her mom, and sometimes she does want a lot of distance, and I guess that's part of being a teenager, is constantly going hot and cold on your parents. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's true. (laughs) Poor parents of teens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my parents still, like, bring up things that I did as a teenager, and I'm just like can we move on <laughs> it's been a long time now i'm in I was my a different 30s. person <laughs> yeah please i was becoming a person <laughs> <laughs> though i did have cooler style then than i ever have i think 
Honestly, I had no style growing up, and I tried to keep it that way. There, there was a period in time where I would wear like an Aeropostale t-shirt was my only <laughs> thing I wore. I had probably like 15 different Aeropostale t-shirts. And there were the plain ones too that just said Aeropostale. Like it wasn't even any of their like fashionable clothes. But I wanted to be like wearing a brand to kind of like make a nod toward fashion. But um, I just wanted to blend into the wall. I didn't want it to be original at all. And I can't believe I got my mom to buy me that many t-shirts that were basically the same thing. I think we must have gotten them on sales because I don't know why she would buy me. Like that kind of brand name clothes that if it's just like a plain t-shirt, it's ridiculous. But I was so, you know, shy. (laughs) I was I was definitely very shy and antisocial, but I was a punk emo kid, so mm. I had a very like the opposite <laughs> style. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I had like I a mohawk for a while. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's, that's off topic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know we will talk about fashion shortly. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. It's that time of year again, time for festive food from Dozie's Market. We all want to have a perfectly curated holiday experience, and that can't be done without every single traditional dish cooked and laid out on your table. When you want tradition, Taylor Dozie is the man for you. This Thanksgiving season, Dozie's Market has a special deal for listeners of Talking Fast podcast. Our canned cranberry sauce, arranged like the Mayflower, will be the dish that makes your Thanksgiving feast bloom. Mention Talking Fast to your cashier at checkout, and you will receive a complimentary blueprint of your house, complete with Taylor's suggestions for where to place decorations before your guests arrive. Remember, you can't enjoy a holiday without all of its trappings. You'll find everything you need at Dosey's Market, including that personal touch that only Taylor can give as town selectman. So, mention Talking Fast Podcast at checkout and get your personalized map to holiday decor success. That's Talking Fast Podcast at checkout for a product of friendly local surveillance. Let's head off to Rory's bookshelf to discuss the most notable pop culture references in this episode. And then let's go to Lorelai's closet to check out the best and worst fashion choices in the show. Oh yeah, Freud. Tell us more. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I did. So this is, yeah, when um, Luke and Lorelai are in the the market and um, Lorelai says something like that, oh yeah, well that... Dean looks like Christopher. Luke brings up that that's kind of strange. And then Lorelai responds with something about Freud. And so I just, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Freud, who is a strange old man. Um, (laughs) But I strangely am pretty interested in psychoanalysis. 
And so what they're talking about here is the Oedipal complex, which comes from the Greek uh, play Oedipus Rex, where Oedipus murders his father and marries his mother after a lot of attempted um, intervention <laughs> that does not work, <laughs> as, of course, it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Freud became had this theory that people basically just wanted to marry their parents. And so I think, yeah, that kind of goes back to our conversation that we had about um, Lorelai mentioning that Dean looks like Christopher. And oftentimes I wonder if, obviously, people do have their... You can definitely see some people who date people who are basically like their parents. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's often just because of, like, this is somebody you're who reminds you of somebody that you're very comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. So it lends itself to that. But I definitely think in this circumstance, Lorelai is projecting, which is another psychoanalysis term. Although I'm pretty sure that's Lacan and not Freud. I don't remember for sure. But also I had a funny story about Freud. <laughs> I first started learning about psychoanalysis when I was doing my master's degree in Iceland. And I had this Icelandic guy who's like, I'm pretty sure he's a a vampire or something because he's looked the same age for the past 40 years. (laughs) But he was teaching us uh, psychoanalysis and he was obsessed with the idea of the um, phallic mother, which is one of Freud's concepts where um, basically women have penis envy and so everybody's just everybody is somebody either who has a penis or was castrated at some point that's what what women are i don't know freud you know he had some issues Mm -hmm. but but the thing the thing that i remember most about this is that to exemplify this theory we watched jurassic park because all of the dinosaurs are female, and yet they still, um, I guess, for, I guess, somehow they represent a phallic mother. I don't understand where he was coming from with this, but I, I loved being able to watch Jurassic Park, and now I cannot watch Jurassic Park without thinking about Freud, Mm. which is unfortunate, but also funny. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's my bookshelf moment very tangential but i thought I it was love fun that. <laughs> that's a good a lot of freud what a guy what a weird weird guy i'm not i'm not too i've had a bit of taste of psychoanalysis here and there that's all i'll say but you covered it well i think and <laughs> i think it's interesting and i'd like the like the deep look into human psychology like psychology Mm -hmm. that you can get from psychoanalysis but Mm -hmm. you have to admit that most psychoanalysis is based off of freud or carl jung or lacan and they were all extremely misogynistic men Mm -hmm. from the early 20th century so there's only so much you can do with that (laughs) yeah it's so like cis male focused so much of like the basis of their theories like the very idea that you would think everyone is obsessed with penises is like that's Seriously? not I don't like yeah it's just a red flag <laughs> yeah 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did okay. you have anything for that you were going to talk about for bookshelf moment? Yeah, mine is far less it's far less serious and just pretty <laughs> random, but I noticed like we said a bit earlier that they're watching Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. And they're watching the original movie, which is from 1971, according to my friend Google. Um, And it just had me thinking about how in my life I've seen that movie a few different times. I've also seen the one that creeps me out a bit more, which is from 2005 with Johnny Depp. But now, since we lived, we live in a cursed age of constant remakes, there's also a third Willy Wonka movie coming out. I believe it's billed as an origin tale, which is even worse. Um, And Timothy Chalamet is playing Willy Wonka. (laughs) Uh, I'm definitely going to see that because I love Timothy Chalamet mm -hmm. and I go see most movies regardless of how good they are. But wow, I did not know Mm -hmm. that. I can't even begin to think what an origin movie for Willy Wonka looks like and how... I could take it seriously at all. Like, it must be a comedy, right? It has to be. Yeah, because if they <laughs> if they cast Timothy Chalamet, I can only guess that they did that because he has similar hair to Gene Wilder. So that mm-hmm. means that they're going back to the original movie and not to the, the Johnny Depp movie, which is a good move, I'd say. Mm-hmm. They, like, mashed up Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Edward Scissorhands to make that movie. But that's all. That was just, it just reminded me of the news I had seen about that remake Remake that kind of boggled my mind. <laughs> that's cool. I'm pretty excited for Dune that's coming out. Mm-hmm. By the time this podcast airs, it will have been out. But yeah, another Timothy Chalamet movie. I'm not yeah. like completely opposed to remakes, by the way, either. It's just that they're so constant. Yeah. But I do want to say... I have a feeling that there will be another remake of Gilmore Girls. Not a remake, but a revival. I think they will have another season because it was successful and it made money. So I'm betting now that we will at some point be able to cover that in real time almost. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. did leave it on a cliffhanger. So yeah, we can only hope. (laughs) Okay. Did you have anything for Lorelai's Closet? Yeah, and it was less so about the actual um, outfit itself, but the scene around it. I thought it was really sweet that Lorelai came in to help Rory get ready for this date. Like, even though Rory was angry with her and she wasn't excited about it, uh, Lorelai came in and saw that she was, like, clearly stressed and worked up. And Rory expresses to her, like, she doesn't know what to wear. And this is also part of a bigger thing of Rory just being unsure about how to navigate a new relationship and feeling like she's um, not as, like, uh, she's not as good at it as Lorelai is. And I don't blame her. When she's seen Lorelai and her ability to, like, flirt and charm and talk to anyone, I would also feel extra self-conscious. But I think Lorelai does a really good job of, like, calming her down and kind of pumping her up at the same time too but she's saying like um it takes time for certain things and for others like a hair flip she can teach her how to do it and she says that Rory's brain and her eyes she's always going to like amaze guys which was what Rory said she sees Lorelai is able to like leave guys amazed 
And so um, I thought Lorelai was really sweet here. But the way that it relates to the closet in particular is that Lorelai like walks over to this huge pile of clothes and takes like five seconds to look through it. And she pulls out this sweater and she's like, this is cute, but relax. It will say you just threw it on, but it happens to look fantastic. And Rory is like, before it was a top, but you made it into an outfit, like just like that. How do you do that? And I completely share Rory's sentiment here. Like, how does Lorelai do that? And it's probably practice, but I envy that ability because I'm not necessarily so well-versed in fashion myself. So yeah, for all those reasons, I really liked that scene. I agree. That was a great scene. And yeah, that's like a superpower, I think, to be able to, like, A, put together an outfit and also to, like, put together an outfit that looks good and says something about you. I don't know how you're supposed to, like, clothing is supposed to portray who you are as a person, and I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just clothes. How about you? <laughs> um, I picked out the very opening scene. So it's when they're walking through the square, and I, it's one of Lorelai's outfits, as it should be for this segment, but she has, mm. like, kind of a monochromatic wine-colored outfit on. She's got, like, a wine-colored turtleneck and a wine-colored pleather skirt, (laughs) which makes me wonder if she went and bought many different colors of the same (laughs) leather skirt. (laughs) And then she's got, (laughs) she's got, like, a low ponytail and a leather jacket. And I just love this look. It was, like, Mm -hmm. simple, but pretty chic I guess and it looked really good on her and I also love fall colors and like mm-hmm. fall and winter clothing colors and I'm I'm so glad that it's fall now so we can wear them again mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love I love that yeah she looks great in that scene and also the color of the sweater she picks out for Rory is wine as mm-hmm. well which is one of my favorite colors and not just because I love wine Welcome to Stars Hollow is a chance for us to take a nostalgic stroll through the town, discussing its cozy and comfortable aesthetics. Okay, for Welcome to Stars Hollow, what were you thinking about? So I have to go with Taylor, uh, a scene with Taylor. Um, As I mentioned in our Halloween episode, I really like Taylor. He's a very problematic guy, but he's, I think... One of the, like, great quirky characters of the show. But this specific moment I'm thinking of is when we go into Dosi's market. I think it's right before the kiss scene. And Taylor is helping Dean set up a display of cranberry sauce cans. And they Mm -hmm. are setting it up supposedly to look like the Mayflower. Like, (laughs) the ship. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I looked at it, I paused and looked at it, and, like, they've kind of got a couple different levels. It looks slightly triangular. Um, I'm not entirely sure how they were expecting to get cans to look like a ship. Um, But I I thought that was so, like, that's so Taylor. And it's also so Stars Hollow to have this, like, ridiculous little quirky thing that he's spending so much time and energy on and nobody is going to notice nobody's going to look at that and be like oh it's the mayflower (laughs) it just looks like a Mm -hmm. stack of cans (laughs) but i loved it 
I had a similar uh, like whimsical moment that I thought was so Stars Hollow, which is, and it did include Taylor as well. So in the opening scene, um, I loved the whole, the town square with the gazebo and the pumpkins, all of these fall decorations. But in particular, I really loved when Taylor was um, trying to convince Luke to put up decorations, which kind of establishes this feud that they will continue to have. And Taylor is basically saying, you've been in Stars Hollow for so long, you need to become one of us, is what he says. And it really just represents the whimsical quirkiness of the town and Luke as this grumpy person who gives in a little over time but is opposing it right now and the this is also the first festival we hear about the Tomnal festival Mm -hmm. and we all know there's so many different festivals Stars Hollow is known for and it's fun when they're like themed episodes related to them uh I thought it's so funny like Luke says he doesn't like the color orange and I feel the same way. Um, I just thought it was it was really entertaining and so classic Stars Hollow. Yeah, I think that like as we go on, it becomes more apparent that what makes Stars Hollow Stars Hollow is the weird, quirky cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I think that's one of the things I, in almost any show that has a cast like that, that I like the most. Like my favorite TV show is from the early 90s called Northern Exposure and it's basically an entire TV show of just a quirky small town Um, and Mm. I don't know they're just shows like that are just heartwarming and you get invested in characters even if they're not main characters and yeah I think people are drawn to them like to name a couple of the most like iconic shows you hear about like The Office or Parks Mm. and Recreation They do have a couple main characters, but it's really about a cast of characters that I don't don't know exactly what appeals to us about that. Maybe just like the community, the desire to be in a community that we like to see it on screen. That might, that's my initial hypothesis. (laughs) Yeah. But it is really fun. I love the cast. I think it's time for Friday Night Dinner, our once-a-week opportunity to critique something from this episode. Okay, should we move on to more serious things and get mm-hmm. to Friday Night Dinner? Did you have anything you wanted to talk about this week for Friday Night Dinner? Yeah, and it was the general approach to Thanksgiving that we saw throughout the episode. The We could have few different scenes that I think are really playing into the like myth of Thanksgiving of like the first meal uh Miss Patty has in the early scene has kids who are dressed up as like the stereotypical pilgrims and Native Americans so like there's just these white stars hollow kids playing the part of a Native American later on we see Lane and Roy dressed up as pilgrims Uh, they're really playing into this like myth of that first meal as this sort of um, happy picture having a meal together it's very much like a settler colonial tale and yes so I don't want to get too much into like a history lesson on Thanksgiving but I will say that yes there is this cross-cultural event that is referenced by this tale 
But by focusing only on that and then like blowing it up beyond proportion is covering up so much else of settler colonialism, um, namely exploitation of indigenous land and people, a lot of violent wars and death, um, so much more. So I just um, thought that the show was playing into that problematic portrayal of uh, Thanksgiving. And I did look up an article um, about this, not necessarily about um, Gilmore Girls, but uh, just on the general topic of Thanksgiving by a writer named Maya Salam from the New York Times. And we can link this, but um, it's titled Everything You Know About Thanksgiving is Wrong. And I really enjoyed this quote that she had that I'll share. So she says, Thanksgiving facts and Thanksgiving myths have blended together for years, like so much gravy and mashed potatoes, and separating them is just as complicated. So I loved her metaphor for the blending of myth and fact as like the blending of gravy and mashed potatoes at the meal, and that though it's complicated to separate them, it is important to do so. Um, and and Sartalo is not separating them at all. They're just going straight for myth in this episode. So I will probably link that on our Instagram so that at least our podcast can separate the myth from the fact <laughs> um, in our analysis of this episode. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I had that as something I could mention also, but since you're an mm-hmm. early Americanist, I feel like you've done a better job. But I also wanted to mention, since this episode is coming out a little bit before Thanksgiving, that this might be a great time if you have the means to donate to any of the local um, indigenous tribes where you live. So most likely you're living on a place that was and should still be the land of an indigenous tribe, and you can donate to tribes. Um, I'll put a link also in the show notes for... Um, a website for seeding sovereignty, which is a good resource for figuring out how you can help with that um, and how you can just be more involved in um, the the land back movement in general for Indigenous people in the U.S. And I think they have stuff for Canada also. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for bringing up those resources and that cause. It's very important, especially around Thanksgiving. Yeah. But important constantly year-round, too. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad we could highlight it in an episode about Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, So what were you thinking about for your Friday night dinner critique? So the days of uh, liking Dean are over. (laughs) (laughs) When did they begin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when we, like, the first couple interactions, I've admitted, Mm -hmm. are kind of cute. But... I am now, like, this is the point where I think Dean starts to go completely wrong, and I'm thinking about one of the last scenes where Lorelai has kind of given Dean the talk, like, Mm -hmm. everybody's watching out for Rory, if you hurt her, the entire town will be against you, basically, and this is a fairly normal talk for parents to give, like, a new, uh, significant other in their child's life, um, course Lorelai also adds her own spin to it but Dean then talks back (laughs) and I have to admit that this is not okay this is not the time to be talking back to the mother of the girl you're dating when she's telling you don't hurt my daughter like this isn't Mm -hmm. the place to start a battle 
And Dean basically says, um, I need you to like me so that she'll like me. Lorelai responds, she has her own mind. And Dean is like, yes, but she listens to everything you said, you say, um, and is basically telling Lorelai that Lorelai needs to get on his side so that Rory will be happy with him. And first off, you don't talk back to parents like this in a circumstance like this. And also, if Dean wants Lorelai to like him, all he has to do is have a good character, like treat Rory well, and Lorelai will like him. And I feel like starting off their relationship in this way is pretty antagonistic, and also just his tone in this scene, it almost felt condescending towards Lorelai, mm-hmm. like, well, look at me, I'm the man in this situation, and, you know, <laughs> you're just a woman, so um, listen to what I'm saying, you need to like me. And we'll see, Dean has some pretty misogynistic views that will come up in uh, a couple episodes, mm-hmm. but yeah. I just, at this point, I'm just like, Dean, I can no longer, your cuteness doesn't do anything more for you. <laughs> like, this is it. <laughs> I can't like you anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up really good points. I had, like, a slightly different read of the scene, mostly about Lorelai and the way she begins this talk, intimidating what she was doing, where she's saying, the whole town is watching you. There's yeah. nowhere to hide. All eyes are on you. It's very like surveillance of um, and like expect moderating his behavior. Uh, but other than that, I agree with you that um, Dean's response is also antagonistic and his tone I don't love. Um, a little bit earlier, he also observes Rory eating and is like, I like a girl who eats. And <laughs> I thought that was another kind of like, Oh, so you're suppo- that is supposed to make us like you or think you're a good guy, that you believe this very baseline thing that girls can eat food too. I had to roll my eyes at that as well, just to throw in while we're keeping it on Dean right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Dean. You've got a long way to go to get back in our good graces, and we've seen the show before. <laughs> yeah, I do think it is interesting that Dean is aware though of the relationship between Lorelai and Rory like he is right that she holds Lorelai's opinion really highly and he does read that accurately Mm -hmm. and it foreshadows at least with our hindsight of the struggles that will come when Rory is with Jess and Lorelai does not like Jess (laughs) and that is one of the problems of that relationship is that Uh, Rory and Lorelai are at odds and it is a big part it's a problem that you know they're so close but Lorelai doesn't really come around to Jess for a long long time yeah that's true yeah it's another example of the kind of blurred line between Lorelai's different positions in Rory's life and now let's meet at the gazebo to discuss our favorite moment from this episode okay should we move on to something more fun (laughs) yeah more positive things yeah what was your gazebo moment for this episode mine we've kind of talked about it already it was the moment when luke and lorelei are in Dosie's market spying on dean and specifically the line when lorelei says 
look how he handled those lemons. <laughs> I just loved, I love that, like, she was so invested on reading into everything that he did mm-hmm. that she, like, thought he manhandled the lemons. And Luke is obviously, like, what what the hell, Lorelai? What are you talking about? But, yeah, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, simple little cute scene of Lorelai spying on Dean. Very innocent. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you have for a gazebo moment? Mine is also in a scene that we discussed, but we didn't really get to this part. Um, this is when Taylor and Luke are fighting at Luke's about Thanksgiving decorations, and they are both like really into this argument. It is heated, it is taking all of their attention. And meanwhile, Rory and Lorelai are trying to grab Luke's attention to serve them coffee and muffins, I think. And so they're trying, like, different attempts to to grab his attention. One of them is when Rory yells that Lorelai's not wearing underwear. (laughs) Because earlier they had talked about how Lorelai needs to do laundry, so she's going commando right now. Um, So this eventually goes to, uh, Lorelai goes behind the counter to serve herself coffee. And Luke is, like, aware of this. And this is kind of their chemistry again, too, where they are, like, he's acting along with it. They're very in sync of, like, she goes to get a muffin and he's like, oh, use the, don't use your hands, use the um, utensil, basically. So he's, like, basically sanctioning this because he's so Mm -hmm. into his argument with Taylor. Um, And I, it's just really... It's really good comedy going on. Um, the bickering and when Lorelai and Rory are leaving, Luke is like, what, no tip? And Lorelai says, you should serve your customers if you want a tip. And he tells her not to sit on a cold bench because relating back to the no underwear line. But either way, I thought it was just like all of the the acting, the comedic timing going on between both Taylor and Luke and then Luke and Lorelai and Rory was just top notch in this mm-hmm. scene and it was one of those moments where I'm like laughing at the TV out loud not just like having a small smile like oh yeah that was funny <laughs> I was really like really actively entertained by this I love that that scene also like we've seen Suki try to go behind Luke's counter and he yells at her so it kind of shows that Lorelai is the exception to most of his roles mm-hmm. and To all our listeners out there, don't forget to send us your gazebo moments um, from this episode or any episode. Um, You can either do this as a one-minute voice memo, or you can just send us an email and we'll read it out loud. And send it to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear what you think and then talk a little bit about it. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, we would love you to join us on Instagram as well, at Talking Fast Podcast. All right. Goodbye. Talk to you next week. week. (laughs)